Thank you for joining us here at Crossword Church for this week's message. Our desire is to see people's lives transform as they develop an authentic relationship with Jesus. We would like to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So take a moment and visit us online at mycrosswordchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Today we're going to talk about discipline. Everybody say discipline. And we do know that we are called to be disciples, which is really disciplined ones or disciplined followers of Christ. Amen? The last uh, few semesters, I had the privilege of coming down to Crown, and we talked and, and had some great time talking about worship. And this is just a plug that I'll be back for Mission Fest. And so I'm excited about that to come and just share with you. But today we're talking about discipline, the power and purpose of discipline. And we must understand the discipline of training. So I'm going to give you some principles today. So if you have a pen and paper, you want to take some notes. But principle number one is this, that biblical discipline is a mindset and conduct to live by faith in the word of God to produce a Christ-centered outcome or future. Again, biblical discipline is a mindset and conduct to live by faith in a Christ-centered manner, to produce a Christ-centered outcome. Uh, Solomon is speaking here, King Solomon, in Proverbs chapter 23, uh, verse 7. He says, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a person thinks, so is he. I can determine the outcome of your life based on how your thinking process operates. Because our mindset literally determines our lifestyle, how we think. Our daily thoughts and corresponding actions govern the outcome of our lives. And it is discipline in our choices that allows us to shape our future. Every day we get up, we made a statement that um, our life is a subtotal of the choices that we make. The subtotal of the choices that we make. So let's just look at some foundation for our training. We're going to look at the scriptures as a foundation for our training. Uh, turn with me to Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And I'm going to be reading this from the Amplified Bible. Paul is writing to his young uh, protege, his young son, spiritual son, Timothy. And he says, every scripture is God-breathed, given by his inspiration, and profitable for instruction, for reproof and conviction of sin, for correction of error and discipline in obedience, and for training in discipline in holy living in conformity to God's will in thought, purpose, and action. Every scripture is given. Now, it's, it's amazing because we live in a world where information is at our fingertips. Most of us have a Bible. If we don't have a Bible in our homes, we have a phone, a portable device, iPhone, Samsung, whatever you have. Um, and usually on those devices, you have a Bible, right? Usually in, your, in our homes, we have a Bible. Here is the thing that we have to understand. The contents of the Bible cannot impact our life unless we have the discipline to go and read it. Uh, because we can be very um, impressed with our information base, but yet that information is not working in our lives because we don't consume the information. We don't spend time. And so Paul is writing to Timothy and he's talking about the scriptures and the purpose of the scriptures. 
He gives four reasons. Number one, the scriptures is necessary and they're foundational for doctrine. It is foundation in our teaching. Everything that we set out to teach must be based and rooted in the scriptures. Today we live in a day where people are using a lot of their own intellectual prowess and uh, their own psychology and philosophy. And they're presenting that as a means of the gospel. And if it's not the Bible, it's not the gospel. And so there are a lot of intellects that's running around. So it's, it's important for doctrine. Number two, it's important for reproof. It means that the scriptures will convict us of our sin. And number three, it's important for correction. It shows us how to change, how to conform to Christ. It requires for us to be obedient to Christ. And the last one, I love the last one. The scriptures are important to give us instruction in righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. See, it literally trains us to remain in right standing with God by cultivating in us a Christ-like character. If we don't spend time with the scriptures, they won't create within us a Christ-like character. What we will find is whatever is in our head will affect our life. It means whatever you're listening to, whatever you're consuming on a day-to-day basis, that creates the environment by which you would flow out of. Your life would flow out of that. So understanding the importance of training is important. When you go to school, you're not only getting an education, but you're also getting training in the knowledge of what you're receiving. When you're on the job, sometimes it doesn't matter if you've been in the field for a long time. When you come into the company, they will give you a a season of time, whether it be a week or two weeks, and they'll give you their training because every organization, every company, every business, they have a culture, and we need to be trained in that culture. And so if we're in the kingdom of God, that is a culture. And so we must be trained in the culture of God's kingdom. As Christ followers, uh, it is only right that we are willing to fulfill his purposes. As Christ followers also, we must understand that if we are not disciplined, that the distractions of life will cause us to literally wander or miss the target that God has for us. It will literally, the distractions of life will literally interfere with God's destiny. Now, this is so important because a lot of times people, people believe that they are called or they may feel that there is a call on their life and it's not coming to pass. And I would say, look at if there are any distractions that are occurring in your life. So like athletes, Pretty soon we're going to have the Winter Olympics. And like athletes in training, we must exercise self-control and restraint. Wow. To navigate the options that will present themselves to walk in a godly manner. Every day you have choices. Can you just look at your neighbor and say, every day you have choices. The key is the world system will want you to choose its way. And we have to be willing to discern that its way is not God's way. Amen? All right. So taking the premise of of an athlete, Paul is is writing to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 and 27. And let me just read this really quick from the New Living Translation. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? 
Now let me just make a statement here. In the world system, only one person gets the prize. But how many know in the kingdom of God, the person that gets the prize is everyone that completes the race. So it's, we're not racing for one prize. We're racing for our prize. So everyone that's in Christ and is running the race and is running the race in Christ receives their prize. Amen. Let me continue in verse 25. He says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it uh, for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. Has, everybody, has anyone ever been to the gym and you're shadow boxing? It means that you're extending a lot of effort, but really there is no resistance when you're shadow boxing. Um, and I used to box as a young fella coming up. Um, and when you're in the ring, the person that you're boxing against, they're going to throw some punches back at you. How many know that life will throw some punches at you? And, and so if we're not trained, if we're not disciplined, we won't have any resilience. And, and when those punches come, they will, they will affect us in a way that we will feel as though we want to quit. That's why discipline is important. He says, I'm not just shadow boxing. Verse 27, he says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. How terrible it is to be finding ourselves at the end of our journey, missing the mark because we weren't disciplined in our own lives. We were quick to give a lot of instructions. We were quick to tell people what they should be doing. But in our own private lives, we weren't applying those same principles to ourselves. And the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, listen, I do not want that at the end of my journey, I am literally forfeiting the ability. I have disqualified myself. I need to read this from the Amplified, verse 27, really quick. Because uh, verse 27 reads like this. But like a boxer... I buffet my body, handle it roughly, discipline it by hardship, and subdue it. What, Paul? For fear that after proclaiming the gospel to others, things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand and not stand the test, and will be unapproved. Essentially, I will be a counterfeit. I know today, everyone, most people are looking for authenticity. They are looking for something that's authentic. And the way that we remain authentic with God is to understand the discipline of the life that's required to follow after him. If we feel that our lives just belong to us and we just get to do whatever we want to do, we won't discipline ourselves. Paul is saying he disciplines his body. Simply wanting to fulfill God's uh, will for our lives is not enough. It is discipline, not desire, which determines your destiny. Let me say this again. It's discipline, not just desire, that determines our destiny. I can't just wish that I'm going to finish the race strong. I can't just wish God's purpose into existence in my life. I must discipline the way that I think, the way that I see, the way that I talk, the things that I do. I must discipline my life. Here's an important thought about training. Training equips us uh, with proper knowledge, understanding, and experience to be diligent, 
to be resilient, insightful, and competent so that we can fulfill our purpose in life. That's, what, that's why training is important. So let me just clarify here two types of discipline that we're going to cover today. Uh, two types. The first is self-discipline. Self-discipline is personal training that develops self-control in our character, resulting in an orderly and in an effective life. Let me say it again. Self-discipline is personal training that develops self-control in our character, resulting in an orderly and effective life. How is your self-discipline meter working today? The next discipline is divine discipline. Divine discipline. This is different. Divine discipline is God's correction to his children when they step out of his will or disobey his word. This is God's correction. And you might be sitting wondering, wow, why would God discipline me? I'm glad you asked that question. Because Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, let me just read this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 says, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. What is he talking about? Who do we know in scripture that resisted sin to the point of shedding their blood? Jesus, right? Okay, so he said, we haven't done that. Verse 5, and have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Why? Because the Lord disciplined the ones he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. So when God is disciplining us, it is a demonstration of his love for us. I remember as a as a young father coming up and I would have to discipline our firstborn. And, you know, she would just look at me and I would just melt, right? But I knew that it was my responsibility, listen to these words, to discipline her as a father would. And so even though she would open those nice big puppy dog eyes, I had to look past that and understand that the discipline I'm about to give her was for her benefit because I love her. And this is the same way that God is demonstrating his love towards us the challenge is many people in the body of christ do not want to receive the discipline of the lord and so if we don't allow him to correct us we will remain in a lifestyle that separates us from his will because we have accepted a mindset that says i get to do what i want to do when i want to do it because this is what the culture tells us okay principle number two let me move on real quick here Godly discipline is living a balanced and obedient life under the master's authority, under his word. Godly discipline is living a balanced and obedient life under the rule of the master's authority. Some of us in here, we live with our planner. We don't do anything except through our planner. And that can be good. It can also be a measure of bondage. Because here's the thing for the believer. We must have organization, but we must also learn to yield to the spirit. And so to know when I should follow my planner versus to know when I should yield to the Holy Spirit to do something that is not penned in, it requires being connected to the Father. 
It requires a relationship to be able to discern what I should do based on what I planned or what I should do based on what God is saying is now the priority. Acts 24, 16 says, actually just write that one down. You can go back and look at that afterwards. Let me just read this one. Um, 1 Corinthians 6, 12. Paul says, everything is permissible for me. Everything. But not everything is beneficial. Oh my goodness. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. It means that there there's so many options. There's so many choices today. Everything is permissible. I get to choose what I want to do. But the apostle says, but not everything is beneficial. Who gets to decide what's beneficial to you in your spiritual walk? You do. You do based on what you know according to the word. It's beneficial if God's word is, is allowing me to do it. It's beneficial if I'm not disobeying a previous instruction from God. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Let me give you one other principle here. Principle number three, the source of godly discipline is found in the word of God and in the life of the spirit. This is the source. This is the source. Galatians chapter five, beginning at verse 22, the Amplified Bible, it says, but the fruit of the spirit, the work of which his presence within me accomplishes, we'll come back to that, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. He says here the fruit, the evidence that the Holy Spirit is working on the inside of me, the fruit that the, the work of the Holy Spirit accomplishes within me in each of us there should be a work that the holy spirit is accomplishing in us and and we're not talking about the corporate church we're talking about individually in our walk with us every day as we spend time with god the work of the holy spirit is to conform us to christ so there should be an inner work of the holy spirit that's taking place and as we conform to that as we yield to that it causes us to be disciplined followers of jesus it causes us to not just be talkers, but it causes us to be doers of the word that we've heard. And so how the Holy Spirit is working in our lives is a great reflection on what the Holy Spirit can do through our lives. Let me say that again. A lot of times people want to do big things in God or do big things for God. And this is very admirable. But here is a truth that I want us to make sure we we, we, we solidify in our souls. For God to do big things through our lives, God must do a big or a great work in our lives. A great work in our lives. There was a man by the name of George Mueller. And this is not on my, on my notes, but some of you might, might be familiar with George Mueller. And he was known as a man of prayer. And God further used him to build orphanages. One of the things about George Mueller's life is that he dedicated himself to pray. And when God called him to build these orphanages, George Mueller said to the Lord, um, I'm going to do this work only if you do it through me and I'm not going to ask anyone for help. Think about this. I'm going to build an orphanage because it starts with one. 
and I will ask no one for help. And as the story goes, as George Mueller set out to build this off this orphanage, God would lay it on the hearts of people to come and bring the resources that he needs. Throughout history, we see people that have done great things for God because of what was happening behind closed doors, because of what was happening um, in the secrecy of their relationship with Jesus. A lot of times we can come as a church and we can, we can gather and we can, we can set aside a time, but the power of a church, the strength of a church is not found on Sunday morning. The strength of a church is found in the prayer meeting. Who is showing up at prayer meeting? Who is showing up uh, to study the word of God? Who is showing up to be uh, hands and feet? That's really the church. Fourth principle, really quick. People who demonstrate a disciplined life, they are productive, diligent, and influential people. People that are disciplined. Think about the people that you know in your life that are disciplined. Think about the outcomes that are being produced in their lives. Solomon makes this statement in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. He says, whosoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. This is actually in your Bible. Whosoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. He continues further down and he says in chapter 13, verse 18, he says, Whosoever disregards discipline comes to poverty and shame. But whosoever heeds correction is honored. We're seeing here that the king is putting a great value on understanding discipline and the importance of discipline. And if we love discipline, we, must, we will love knowledge. Principle number five. Undisciplined people seek to live their lives based on their senses and on their emotions. Undisciplined people tend to live their lives based on their senses and their emotions. And they live without purpose or vision. So literally what's, what's directing their lives is their senses and their emotions. There are five areas that affects your emotions. Let me just tell you this real quick. Five areas. Uh, your appetite, your thinking, your imagination, your relationships, and your memories. We'll get into some of this next week. But these five areas, they, they affect our emotions. And it's amazing how we can be in God and yet we live our lives based on on our emotions. Another a biblical terminology would be that we live according to our flesh. We live according to how we feel. I'm going to do this because I feel like it. How many know there are many things that God will ask us to do that we don't feel like doing? You know, like today, I, I kind of feel like I would like to be in bed onto a blanket because I know my body is going through some things. My voice is not all together, but, but I'm called to preach the gospel. So I have to beat my body into subjection and say, I, I have to come and bring the word so that it can at least be edifying to the hearer. And so there are many things that God will call upon us to do that we have to understand the, the conditions won't always be perfect, but we can't wait for the perfect situation. We have to respond in faith, knowing that God is going to honor your obedience. Solomon continues, Proverbs 29, verse 18. 
this whole series is surrounding the book of Proverbs. And one of the things for those that, of you that might be visiting that we do around here, we quote a lot of scripture because we want, we want to make sure when people leave that they can go home and they can go back through the scriptures and it can be beneficial to them. So just keep tracking with me here. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. The Amplified Bible puts it this way. Where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But he who walks in the law of God, which includes the law of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. When there is no vision, no revelation of who God is, we cast off restraint. We literally do what we want to do. Because we can say that we are serving God, but we're really serving ourselves. And so it's important for us to understand, I must have a biblical vision of God, a biblical view of God that then directs my worldview of everything else. And if I'm living that way, I will be living a purposeful life, a spirit-led life. Why is self-discipline necessary? Are y'all okay? Okay, why is self-discipline necessary? Number one, self-discipline is essential to godliness. If you're taking notes, it's 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 15 or 1 Timothy 4, 7 and, uh, through 8. We're going to keep going. Unless we submit our natural desires to the control of the spirit, they will dominate our lives. Our natural desires will dominate our lives. That's why Paul put such an emphasis on living by the spirit in Romans chapter, chapter 8. Those, those that, who are the sons of God, they're led by the spirit of God. And so when we come to Christ, we must understand that my life is not my own. My life has been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And he has given me his spirit so that I can fulfill the will of God for my life. And so when I get a vision of that, my life becomes very simple. Because I can't watch every movie. I can't read every book. I can't play every video game. I can't have every conversation. Because I'm living for the glory of the King of Kings. And I'm being led by the Spirit of God. See, it's, it's important for us to understand, unless we, I just stated this, if, unless we submit our natural desires to the control of the spirit, they will dominate us. So when you think of things like food and rest and finances and, and property and companionship, even sexual intimacy in the confines of marriage, all these things are great, but we must learn to submit all of that to Christ. So what happens when we fail to practice self-discipline? Do you all think there are uh, undisciplined people in God's church? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> mm. And it's amazing how sometimes we can be disciplined in, like, projects, but we're not disciplined in our personal walks. Meaning that we can, we can be disciplined in building stuff, building relationships and doing all the natural things for kingdom building, but we're not disciplined to get with God ourselves. We're not disciplined to worship. We're not disciplined to open up the scriptures. We're not disciplined to practice being in his presence. And we forsake the very thing that should be the fuel to empower me to do the natural thing. Let me say that again. We forsake the spiritual things that should empower me to fulfill the natural things. 
And so if you look at the early church in the book of Acts, where, where you, what you find them doing a lot is a, there are a lot of praying that's going on. And so they would pray in each other's homes. They would pray in the streets. Wherever you would find the church, uh, when a brother was put in prison, Peter, the church did what? They came together and they prayed. Okay, okay. So what happens when we don't practice self-discipline? We then have an undisciplined life. And an undisciplined life causes many things. Let me just give a couple of things here. It causes, an undisciplined life causes us to indulge our fleshly carnal desires. Usually when we're indulging our carnal desires, it leads us to step out of the will of God. Number two, it causes us to become defensive. (laughs) about our sinful lifestyle and our constant poor choices. Let me say that again. An undisciplined life causes us to become defensive about our sinful lifestyles and our poor choices. Do you know anyone that's defensive? You see them doing something and you confront them in love, biblically in love, and they get all defensive about it. Are you you being self-righteous? You're trying to tell me what to do? No, no, no. We should admonish and encourage one another to godly works. Okay, number three, number three. An undisciplined life causes us, um, it causes us to be hindered in our spiritual and in our natural health. Spiritual and natural health. And we could go across the board. We could talk about emotional health, relationship. It just causes us to be unhealthy. Number four, it causes us, it causes harm um, within our finances. Because if we're undisciplined, it's very easy for us to get into debt. And let me just make a statement right now. They probably wouldn't want me to say this. But financial institutions and credit card companies love undisciplined people. And so, and so they'll give you that nice introductory rate. And they'll entice you with these nice things. But they're hopeful that you will be undisciplined because on the back end, they have something called fees. Everybody say fees. Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right, all right, all right. An undisciplined life causes us sometimes to perform poorly on our jobs. In extreme cases, a lack of self-discipline can cause a verbal or written warning or even a job termination. Talking about self-discipline here. Is this practical stuff? Can we learn this kind of stuff in the church? Is this all right? Is this okay? Okay. All right. Um, uh, Number six. An undisciplined life will cause us sometimes to be overlooked for a financial raise or promotion. Whereas when we're disciplined, it prepares us for the next opportunity. It prepares us. It causes us to also uh, procrastinate and to, pro- and to develop slothful and sluggish habits or sluggish habits. So things like this. We're talking about the undisciplined person, which is none of us in here, right? All of us. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you arrive late consistently. Speak and conduct oneself unwisely. Waste time and energy and have a poor witness 
of God. How many understand that when we are undisciplined, that it, is, it reflects a poor witness of Christ? Because if Christ is in our life, God is a God of excellence. And we should be excellent. Amen? Can you all hang for like five more minutes? Amen, amen, amen. The reward, let's just, this is principle number six, but we're going to, it's called the reward of self-discipline. So principle number six is this. Self-discipline is a quality that allows a person to do what needs to be done consistently. They add value to others and they are valued. Let me say that again. Self-discipline is a quality that allows a person to do what needs to be done consistently. So we're going to go to Proverbs 31 for this, beginning at verse 10, verses 10 through 31. And we know the, the, the context of this scripture is talking about the virtuous woman. But we're going to apply this principle here to the disciplined person. And you'll see why this makes sense. So verse 10. Verse 10. And I just kind of name them out. So um, number one, a person who is disciplined, who disciplines his or her life is, a, is noble and is greatly valued. You're seeing, we're seeing that in verse 10. Is noble and greatly valued. Number two, they get the job done regardless of what it takes and has the full confidence of others. That's in verse 11. They work hard enough to make a profit. That's in verse, verses uh, 11 through 15. Number four. They delay gratification and pleasure to invest their profits and manage their, their uh, investments for maximum return. This is verses 16 through 19. Number five, they generously participate in the larger community by sharing their profits with the needy. That's verse 20. Next one is, they have no fear of the future because, again, they are disciplined and they're flowing with God. That's verses 21 through 27. And the last one is, uh, they are honored, they are respected, and praised and rewarded. On your own time, just read through that passage of scripture. And I know we're giving a lot today, but that's why we have the podcast so you can go back and listen. Last principle for the day is number seven. Self-discipline empowers us to train our spirit to obey God and not fear man. When we are disciplined, we are literally training ourselves to obey God rather than men. Because we live in a day when there's going to always be the choices. Do we get to do what God is calling us to do or do we get to do what the world is telling us we should do. And there's always that choice. And, and what we have to know is that it's when I'm in the privacy of our, of our own minds that we are making those decisions. 
So two more scriptures. Proverbs 25, verse 28 says, He who hath rule, who hath no rule over his spirit is like a city that is broken down. When we're self-disciplined, we learn how to train our spirit to obey God. He who hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down. One last scripture, 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, Paul is talking to Timothy. And the context of Timothy's life is he's young, right? And he understands that there's going to be a lot of conflict, a lot of adversity that's going to be coming against him. Whether it be the Judaizers or whether it be the Gentile people. And so he's going to give this young man some instruction regarding to how, how to discipline his life. And he says this in verse 7. For God did not give you the spirit of timidity or fear, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. God has given you the power of self-discipline. Now, this is not a great revelatory message, very practical. But how many know that we struggle in this area? And until we start understanding the importance of us disciplining our lives, we will never accomplish all that God intends for us to accomplish. And we are the ones that's in control. So with all the noise, whether it be through your social media feed, through television, through whatever, all the noise, we have to be able to quiet our spirit and decide, I'm going to be a true disciple of Jesus. I'm going to discipline my life. My life. Last week, we had the congregation write down three things that they've been procrastinating about and then be accountable to someone. And now today, God is saying, there is a great importance that we learn how to live disciplined lives. Amen? I'm going to invite everyone to stand with me. The Lord designed you for a special purpose. One that will satisfy you like no other. Don't allow the natural desires to hinder your ability to reach God's perfect purpose for your life. My favorite scripture in the Bible, the entire Bible, is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship. One translation says, we are his masterpiece. Think about that. Yet in the church, sometimes we struggle so much with our self-esteem that we want someone else to tell us that we are a masterpiece. We find ourselves getting all these imagery and all these vision from the world. But when we begin to understand and discipline ourselves to, to know that we are his masterpiece... And then the scripture continues that he created long ago in Christ Jesus for good works. 
It means that there are some good works that God has created long ago for you to accomplish. But it will not happen by osmosis. It requires the willingness to discipline our lives. There's somebody on the other side of your obedience that's waiting to receive the gift of God that he has deposited in you. And so for some of you, God might be calling for a deeper walk in your spiritual disciplines. Spending time with him, praying, witnessing. Some of you, it might be just some basic natural things that he's saying. I want you to discipline yourself here. Do not be mastered by your emotions. Do not be mastered by your senses, but be led by the Spirit of God. The sacrifices of a self, of a well-disciplined life, is of great reward. Of great reward. See, we don't want to get to heaven and, like my dear brother Jim says, God says, well... We want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And the only way we can live that out is when we choose to discipline our minds, discipline our, our eyes, discipline our ears, our voices, our words, our hands, discipline our lives. Next week, we're going to talk about the discipline of managing your thoughts and your emotions. And then after that, we're going to talk about choosing forgiveness. Choosing forgiveness.